All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing's nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth-building market insights. Hi, I'm Matt Schreiber, and this is Bull Bear Radio. Hi, folks. Don Schreiber. Oh, geez. He's jumping the gun here. He's just so excited to talk to all you I folks out wait. there today. Matt, what a week. What a week. Dude, market's up. Market's down. I thought it only went up. I, I'm I'm confused. And and all of you in, you know, Tokyo and in France and Algeria and all the folks that listen to us around the globe are a little bit confused too. You bet. What are these US markets doing? What are the US markets doing, dude? Hey, so global bond funds, right? Mutual funds. Five weeks straight of redemptions and this past week has Does been, that surprise you? Has been the I large, mean, come on. has been the largest week of redemptions ever. Can you hey, believe that? We Fourteen got- billion pulled from bond funds this past week, and ten billion alone from high yield. What's going on? If you're a bond investor, Don, where should you put your money right now? On the short side or cash? So you're, you're talking short duration is is a better place to be right now. If you're a bond, you want to invest in bonds. You bet. And you have a mandate to invest in bonds. You're talking short duration. So we have quantitative econometric models on the bond side whoa that it's a mouthful in it oh man econometric econometric i've got it okay sweet dude is that even a dictionary word like it's is that in the dictionary econometric or did we just make that up hey listen all you got to do is look up that word and my picture's next to it econometric econometric man at any rate the model's telling us to be short duration no surprise 10-year Treasury yields are almost 3%. Yeah, and, so why not be get, there, right? And guess what? They're going to go higher. Probably. While rates are rising, you want to be as short duration as you possibly can. Otherwise, you're going to lose some capital. Yeah. So You may have noticed so, bond, so bond pricing is falling. So for real, folks, you want to take a chainsaw you know, to your duration right here. If you got long bonds, you got intermediate, our recommendation here, Don, you're saying to take the chainsaw out and shorten that duration. You bet. You want to optimize your holdings. You don't ever want to take capital losses if you don't have to. Yeah. Well, taking losses, nobody wants to take losses, man. The market always goes up, right? Why do you think the uh, people are taking, you know, $10 billion a day out of bonds? Probably because they're they're thinking interest rates might rise here. And they see their bond prices going down. Yeah, it's, it has not been a good couple of weeks for bonds in terms of prices. I, you know, you know has, investors it, always think they think bonds go up all forever. Well, for 31 years now, they have until now. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. All right. So, hey, let's change gears. Lots of uh, fancy metrics have come out. Data. Talk to me here. Household debt, right, reached another record level, $13.15 trillion, up 1.49% month over month. Is this sustainable, man? Can people keep up, you know, burning up the plastic? Hey, man, 
why do you think retail sales are soft? Because people have extended themselves on the debt side. Well, you're jumping, jumping the gun on retail sales you know, here, on. man. Retail sales fell in January 0.3%. You know, is this good or bad? Do people Everybody, just have a hangover from the holiday season, a little holiday hangover? I, I think it's part of, you know, I think that consumer debt number is part of the reason why the consumer spending for retail spending is softer than expected. Everyone expected a big number. I expected a good number, right? Because we're going to start to see investors getting a little paycheck boost this month, right, right well, now. Th- that's the reason why the, the market melted down. It was because the uh, wages are looking stronger. So do you think retail sales will pick up in the spring here? Yeah, I do. I think that the fundamentals, honestly, are so strong that they're going to cause the Fed to move more aggressively than what they thought. I don't think that's going to happen right away. We've got a new Fed chair. Yeah. We've got empty posts at the Fed. They're not going to move rates right away, but the tone at the Fed is silence. Silence isn't a good thing. Silence is not golden. No. No. Markets, markets don't like uncertainty, man. Markets and hate they, uncertainty. They want all that information. Like, what are you going to do? Ooh, hey, Mr. Powell, spooky. what are you going to do? Yeah, they're getting spooked, man. So you They're know, not I, getting that Janet Yellen feedback that they would get like every 27 minutes. You know, she's on saying, oh, it's going to be okay, man. If inflation creeps up, we'll rise, raise rates. But we're going to be really patient here. And, and then so, if we don't know what's going on, we'll take our best guess, right? Right. So there's a big adjustment, not only in, ter- in terms of uh, interest rates are moving higher because the Fed is in a rate hike tightening cycle. And, um, you know, if they if they hold their water, they don't get overly aggressive. They give us 325 basis point rate hikes, which the market is expecting. The market to- will probably absorb that. Two are priced in. But I if think you go market, four or five, the, market the goes, market's not going to like that. If the Fed stays out of the way, the market goes higher. I think it's going to go a lot higher early in the year here. Yeah, we're under 26,000 now. We were saying, you know, 26,000 was the next spot many, many weeks ago. We blew through that, got to 27,000. What are you thinking the number might be now, Don? I think that we're going to be able to get through my original number, which was 28,000. Not that there's any magic to that. Ooh. I think we go beyond that, but I do think we're going to give some of that back in the second half of the year as the Fed reassesses how strong the economy actually turns out to be with all of this stimulus yeah, that's well, coming the, from the fiscal side. Right. The Atlanta Fed saying that, you know, uh, you know, GDP should be around 4%. Now, you know, the next piece of data that just came out, headline CPI. Now, now I'm throwing it at you here. This this is going to be uh, the number everybody's looking at headline CPI unchanged for January at 2.1%, but core prices rose 0.3% and core inflation climbed 2.9%. So the, the, the Fed, the Fed looks at core. They, core. Don't, they don't worry about the headline. Yeah. So for all of you, core is the long-term trend in prices, typically X food and gas. We all know we have to buy food and gas, but because those prices can be a little volatile sometimes, usually core excludes those items. So the, I think the market was looking for one-tenth. We got three-tenths. That's a number, right? Whew. So uh, it's not really bad. If we get another number that's three-tenths, four-tenths, five-tenths next Starts month, creeping up. Oy. Oh, boy. So uh, these where, are, where in the world is Jerome Powell, man? We're, we're, in, we're in an adjustment phase. Um, I think that, you know... Um, being silent is a tactic. 
So far, it hasn't hurt. The market's turned around. It moving is moving back higher. It's moving back higher moving now. Back higher. So hey, look, look. So you know, everybody we, can take. U.S. has been the strongest game in town from an economic perspective. We'll talk a little bit about earnings. We're getting further down the road on earnings here. But talk to me, man. We were reading this article a couple of days ago about uh, Eurozone GDP and global synchronization. Global growth is supposed to be synchronized. Unfortunately, nobody told the Eurozone. <laughs> yeah, because they came in, uh, they, their economic growth slowed down. Industrial production picked up, but the consumer is nowhere to be found. Nobody's spending money over there at all. So yeah. Even Germany, who is the bellwether... The leader, the one who drags everybody's GDP number higher. Higher, yeah. Guess what? It's not doing so good. Disappointing. Yeah. So eurozone GDP slowed quarter over quarter to 06 percent. It's going the wrong way, dude. It's closer to zero than it is three or four percent. You know, and and there's still some um, you know risk factors out there. You know, we've got uh, uh, and Merkel's had her hands full lately, man. There's all bet. kinds of political turmoil. And that's been not only she's not, been a rock over there for a while. Sure, not only in Germany, but you've got Great Britain. It's oh, going to go man. through a little Brexit, and uh, that's not done yet. So, I think that you know uh, the idea that Mario Draghi, you know, where they're talking about uh, you know terminating the uh, QE purchases uh, either late this year or early next year. We'll have to see about that. Whoa. If, if they're paying attention to the inflation and their growth factors, you got to be thinking they, they just might terminate the economy, dude. They haven't done enough, you yep. know, and they're and, behind. And the U.S. growth has not translated into global growth. Global growth. I'm not seeing enough. synchronization there. I'm seeing synchronization maybe in the in the eurozone that things are not looking so good, but global synchronization, I, I would disagree with. So we're in a transition phase. It's kind of like being out in the middle of the ocean and you've been swimming a long time and you hope you can keep swimming to find shore. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we keep swimming to find shore. Markets do fine, right? They've, they've had this big backstop. The Fed is no longer backstop in the U.S. market like they were. We're going to get a But corporations might. We're going to get a rational adjustment of uh, yields higher so that, you know, they have more firepower so that if the growth story doesn't pan out to be quite as strong as everybody expecting it. Wait a second. I, I think I know where you're going here. Are you saying they could cut rates in the future? They could. They could oh, raise geez. rates too fast. And then guess what they'll do? Oh, man. We're going to have to chop those rates. Hey, we've got to support the market after it corrects. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we're thinking that might be in, in 19 as, you know, this core inflation number picks up, economic growth ramps up a little bit more, market gets a little bit more frothy. Lots um, of comparisons to different cycles. You know, we, we had last week or a week or so ago when, um, you know, the markets were falling apart and we had these big drawdown days and people were saying, oh, my God, maybe it's 1987. Well, let's talk about Flash that for crash. a second. So SPY, which is a massive ETF, right, has seen some huge S&P 500 lately. index, SPY. Yes. So as you're listening to this, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday beforehand, SPY had $8 billion flow out on that Tuesday. And by the way, that uh, was the one day and the third largest daily outflow ever. So that one day was the third largest daily outflow ever. And that coincided with the largest four day 
consecutive outflow for SPY ever. Now, I'm sure that's going to turn around a little bit here, right? Um, companies are going to start to repatriate, do some buybacks. So we should have some upward trajectory. I'm just wondering, is this a big risk factor when the market does fall, when it does fall? Uh, again, could we see record outflows in SPY that really start to, uh, you know, uh, be a bad thing for markets at some point. Hey, you know, there's some really good news in what happened in the no, markets. That was bad news. I was really, giving you bad news. Really good news, right? So good uh, news. We had very orderly markets on big declines, even though we had the four four uh, four days of four massive days of outflows. massive outflows. Right. You know, ETF products worked well. Were the concentrated no dislocation? That's right. The concentrated no trade has, ha yep. has happened. Right. Not even on that day when the the market like dropped like a rock. Yeah, you fifth, so down right. fifteen hundred points in like four seconds. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't that bad. It was an exaggeration. It was, I'm sorry for the exaggeration. It was gnarly it was when a, you saw the, it was the TV a couple, screen blinking. A, a couple of hours in the afternoon Oof. that were quite disturbing. If you've been around as long as I have, you know, uh, 35, 36 years. I wasn't years, worried. The market looked a little hairy there. I've not seen <laughs> 100 point drops every couple Dude, of seconds. Active ever. management when you had as cash like we did, man. You know, you, you if you can raise cash early before, you know, big As big prices declines, start to slide a little bit. One of the other things that was good news is, and, and, and uh, just for clarity, right? There's a huge. Make it clear. Huge risk. And everybody else. To the crowded passive index product trade everybody is crowded into the same stuff SPY man or and it the by the way 500 yeah and you're and, so right and and so it's not that the products it's not that i'm worried that the etf products and the market makers will fail it's just all the stuff going the one way yes. at the same time if there it's, is a buyer's strike think meaning, of it as a tsunami yeah it just all that water rushes one way. When it goes back out, it leaves destruction everywhere. Absolutely. But let's not go with tsunami. Let's try to keep this, you know, a little bit more rational here in the discussion. Oh, man, I'm getting ahead of myself today, aren't I? I'm sorry, guys out there. Talk about chainsaw. So let's get back to it. Let's get. So the, the big problem isn't that ETFs or the market system won't work. The market system did great, performed fantastic. Better than it ever has before, probably, yeah, on I mean, a big you know, slide like some that. Some of the fixes that they made because of other uh, quick uh, down days, big drawdown days, flash crashes, if you will, yeah. in 2010. They learned 2015, from that. they learned. They improved the system. This looks good to me, right? Yes, so, absolutely. Yes. But if we have a buyer strike because we're in the midst of a seller's panic, which didn't happen, right? That decline wasn't big enough to set a set off what my fear is on the crowded trade, that this crowded trade of all the money that has gone into passive indexes all of a sudden turns around. Everybody heads for the exits at once. We have a seller's panic like we did in 2008. If we have that because of the crowding, on all stocks in the market, the and, whole and market even bonds is overvalued. And commodities, the whole thing. That's it. So ETFs if, are like three trillion dollars. That would be the first. You're, if you had a lot of that money flow out, talk about synchronization. That so could be the leading of, edge of a, a market, major market event, right? I had a conversation with with a friend of mine this morning, who has been a. Uh, are you guys still head, friends? Yeah, head trader. You know. And he, we were talking about the orderly 
quality executions that the market got for investors, uh, you know, during this uh, blowdown we had, you know. So the key is, though, market makers have learned over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years not to get in the way of this train wreck of seller panic. Now, now who's getting panic selling? Now who's getting a little Hang on. gnarly? Hang on. So that's what we're concerned with. Yes. We're concerned that the overly optimistic, speculative investor wakes up to the reality of significant downside risk, and they start trimming their exposure. And everybody does it at the same time. That's going to leave a mark. We're going to see big, gigantic down days that will scare the rest of the people. And there used to be capital before Dodd-Frank overregulated on the bank side, especially for bonds. There used to be capital that the banks would come into the market in an orderly fashion and be a buyer of last resort. That's gone. Proprietary trading desks. Yeah, that's yep. gone. No right? prop desks there is anymore. No capital that's going to stand in the middle of the melee and and you know try to be that buyer. Everybody's going to back off and let the market find bottom. All right. So that hey, could be a big drop. Yeah, and we're not saying that's going to happen tomorrow. It could, but you know, maybe maybe a little later this year. I don't next actually year. think this is a 1987 time we're going here. So I actually think that 2018 is starting to look like 1999 all over again. I actually expect the market to blast higher. We're going to have a traumatic melt-up like we had in the uh, uh, yeah. second half yeah. of, 2000, or, of 1999. And then we're going to have the eventual consequence of a complete meltdown or a blow-off in speculative uh, frenzy. All right. And we're going to get people who are going to shift to pessimist side. Pessimist, sure. Pessimist so, side. so this brings uh, us to a, a logical breaking place so you guys can like start breathing. If, if you need to, go grab a paper bag. We're going to give you some tips on what to do here Xanax. after the break. Xanax, my oh, Sorry, guys. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about portfolio construction, modern portfolio theory, and all that kind of great stuff right after the break. You bet. Do you need income? When you retire, your portfolio will need to generate income that keeps pace with inflation. Nearly three decades ago, WBI developed the Retirement Income Strategy, a separately managed account, to help investors successfully achieve their goals in retirement. WBI's Retirement Income Strategy is designed to provide investors with relatively high current income, a rising income stream to keep pace with inflation, and active risk management to protect capital from large losses in bear market cycles. Call for more info at 800-772-5810 or visit WBIinvestments.com. Yeah, so we're back here, and jeez, uh, man, it's it's been an interesting couple of uh, weeks, that's for sure. Guys, you got to know what you own here. I know you all have portfolios out there. Most of the portfolios are built on what we call modern portfolio theory, or MPT. Now, modern portfolio theory was uh, cooked up, uh, good theory, right, back in the day. Uh, and I say back in the day because it was 1952. The basis for it was Harry Markowitz. Harry Markowitz's uh, uh, research on creating efficient, diversified, diversified portfolios. Right. He came up with the efficient frontier analysis. Yes. To essentially have a blend. You want to own stocks. A blend bonds, of return cash, yes. and risk mitigation at the same time. Right. 
unfortunately, diversification just doesn't get the risk mitigation done anymore, does it? Not like it did back then, because different asset classes and U.S. markets versus international markets, they weren't synced. They're synchronized. They're completely synchronized These by days. technology today. And when the mark, you know, when investors move to one side of the table or the other, everything moves. So modern portfolio theory is anything but modern these days, wouldn't you say, Don? Well, you know, if you wanted to, it's kind of like mid-century modern. Yeah, if you wanted to buy an a uh, an older house, you know, Frank Frank Lloyd Wright and be, style, and feel really cool about yourself and you, because and, and you you're wanted, following, you know, yeah, the you, trend. You wanted to get some, yeah. you know plastic looking furniture from the 1950s and fill the house that's what mpt is yeah and, and that is cool don't get me wrong i love myself some mid-century modern uh you know furniture and i love frank lloyd wright man but you may not want to uh, have all your money invested in a theory that was developed in 1952 almost the se- world was a lot almost, different back then. almost 70 years think ago. about it man 70 70- years ago think well think about it for a second here guys i mean seriously uh, they had like black and white televisions back then that was it right was it did they even have color yet hey the idea that markowitz had i love uh, harry markowitz no, won, no smartphone dude a nobel prize for his work the in 1952 I, the no we wanted in the 1990s uh it took a while for them to recognize his genius the key is he was right if you can have a process to reduce loss, that's a good idea, right? Yes, and get good returns. Take small losses, preserve the compounding power that you have. If you take small losses, get a good portion of the upmarket gains. You end up with much more capital to fund retirement. Yes, and that's the key. But here's here's the deal. You know, we believe that investors need to invest more successfully. Should what, I should then, I put all my money with a robo advisor? Than what they've done in the past. Technology is cool, but technology has to be able to help investors invest more successfully. Most, so what's the most, biggest problem with, yeah, with some of this technology? Well, the robos are built on the same asset allocation methodology that you just talked about. This modern portfolio theory, you know, diversifying across passive product. When the markets go down. The whole thing's going to go down because diversification doesn't reduce risk Today. enough. Okay. We found out in 2008 that as investors sold and you continued to have this seller's panic, it just drove down not only stocks, not only bonds, but commodities and gold and things you would think would offer you the diversific- diversification benefit and the hedge against falling prices. But right. people just chose to sell everything. Get right. me liquid. Get me in cash. So there's there's an object lesson. People want to get to cash. Why? Because cash is the best risk mitigator. Cash is king. Cash is king in a falling market cycle. I like cash. We I don't. Do you know. I don't know uh, why why people are so adverse to having a little bit of cash in their portfolio. Sometimes. I mean, like it doesn't make sense. So look, I want to tie out here. Switch gears like massively. It's earnings season, baby. I want to talk about earnings for a second here, Don. Uh, We've got 399 companies in the S&P 500 reporting right now. We've got earnings growth of 15.48%, according to Bloomberg, and uh, sales growth of 8.09%. You know, what do you think? Is that good, bad? Are we heading in the right direction? 
So these are pretty spectacular numbers. This is one of the stronger earning growth periods and revenue growth periods that we've seen, you know, and that should bode very well for uh, profits. We also have the tax benefits that are being included, increasing the amount of uh, earnings per share. Um, but the basic underlying trend before tax adjustment right. is really strong. That's what we're looking at. Right. Right. Yep. So what's going to happen, we think, is that we're going to have uh, P.E. multiples actually contract as earning numbers go higher, especially with the tax adjustments. Sure. So the market's going to look a lot more reasonably priced over the next quarter by the end of Q1 if earnings are as good as we expect. Yeah, well, hey, look. There's something going on, though. Um, I, I just talked uh, about the, this last night to one of our uh, key portfolio management uh, folks, and small and mid-cap earnings aren't nearly as strong as large cap earnings. Large cap are blowing the cover off the ball in terms of earnings growth rates, but small and mid cap, not so well, much. Well, I'd suspect here, right, that the the growth rates aren't quite as good as they were a couple of quarters ago. You know, we were in uh, the uh, low teens across the board. Didn't matter whether it was large cap or small and mid cap a couple of quarters ago. So I don't think companies are achieving the same growth rate that they were. And if you look at revenue for S&P 500 companies up uh, 8% right now, that's not as good as it was a couple of quarters ago. You're having to beat these positive quarters of growth. It's getting harder, isn't it? And not easier. It is. You know, the comparisons are tougher. So the place I think that is the safest bet, and let's talk about, you know, uh, this gut check that we got. Uh, a couple of weeks ago with the market declining so much, yep. investors have a chance to analyze whether or not they're really comfortable having you know, this passive full exposure to down market potential. And I think that we want to look for opportunities to trim and rationalize that. The other thing that really matters here is going to be those companies that can outperform no matter, you know, kind of no matter what. They have the best the weather, the storm, the best potential. Right. Why? You know, a couple of uh, uh, shows ago, we talked about the top 20 companies that are part of this repatriation bonanza. And if you you know, we've got articles out on this. This is important. Cisco yesterday said that they were bringing 67 billion bucks back into the country in Q1. And most of it was going to go to dividend increases and And buybacks. buybacks. Now, that company is jumping in price. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, they it, also have a decent growth so, trend. So, buybacks, underlying. right? Buybacks could help this market go higher, too. Is that right? That's one of the reasons why I think the market zooms higher. I think that, you know, we're going to get a really significant melt up. Well, we have record buy, buybacks in 14 and 15, right? Right as fundamentals were cratering. You always say cratering. I'm stealing that from you, man. But fundamentals were cratering from Q4, 14, all the way through 15, yet the market pushed higher. And and one of those factors was buybacks, right? Sure. Companies became the big buyer of stocks, right? And they were removing liquidity or shares off the market. Meanwhile, driving, people are buying. Driving stock prices higher. We're going to see the same thing. As that money comes back into SPY, for example, right? Sure. 
companies that are those bigger companies that repatriate some of that money, right? It's got to drive the index higher. Just so like they're the going to take did. the shares off. Meanwhile, people are going to buy that passive index fund or buy other funds that might have these stocks in there, right, and drive the market higher. So the 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 S the S and P five hundred or the large cap indexes are going to be the benefit of these larger companies that have the biggest weighting in the industry or in the S and P five hundred in the index, and that's going to make the uh, you know the S and P look like a wonderful place to invest again. Just like it did at the beginning of this year, up 7%, you know, for the first month of the right. year. Crazy, great performance. We're going to see that again. Folks, that isn't a permanent boost to stock prices. Right. It's going to be temporary. You've got to be able to take your gains before they turn into big losses. And you might be able to invest instead of just in the index, in companies that actually have really good fundamentals and might push way higher than the index itself, right? You know, our concern, Matt, I know you share this concern, is that investors are going to be fooled and they're going to come into this market. They tend to bail out the institutional money managers who s- sit there and say, hey, this is crazy overvalued. Right. We, we'd like to take our profits off the table and they need someone to sell to. And it ends up to be the retail investor. I'm here to tell you, don't let that happen to you this time. If you're going to participate. Let in, this time be different. If you're going to participate in this next cycle, we get to June 30th. You want to start taking some major profits off the table. Take your capital risk down. And that doesn't mean that, you know, the market holds together by June 30th. It's just my expectation. But I'm telling you, you don't want to go into the end of the year. That doesn't mean that thinking you the sell everything gonna, you have, right? No. That but, just means be smart where you're investing going I, forward, correct? I, I'd take, I'd take uh, my money off the table, and I'd play with the profits or the house's money in, in, in the lexicon of um, you know, gambling. I would reduce my capital exposure. Anything that's your serious money, money that you don't think you can afford to lose, you got to pull back from that. Right. So you where know, would you this, put it? Is it is it stuffing in the mattress or hey, do you find look, someone who can actually you know what, continue to participate? You know what the cash upside? gives you? Cash gives you the risk mitigation so you don't take big losses. You don't sell low. Right. And the most important thing is after market prices adjust, cash gives you the the, the buying power to buy stocks at historically cheap levels. The last time we did that, we did it, and WBI cycled right into the market after it started to perk up in 2009. Mm. So, hey, we're, we're running out of time here. I'm going to give you all homework. There, There's something called a dictionary. You're all not right? going to give us homework. I'm giving, I'm giving our listeners some homework. I'm driving the car. I'm not doing homework. Well, pull over the car. Whip out your smartphone that you you know you're listening to Bold Bear Radio on because you're listening to it on iTunes or or Apple Podcast or Google Play, and uh, what I want you to do is it's a dictionary, folks. You know you go right up to the Google thing and you go compounding. Take a look at that and really absorb the definition of compounding because that is what makes you successful in investing. Okay, Professor Matt. You know what? I'm going to give you some homework. (laughs) Get an attitude adjustment, right? If you would do us a big solid, share our podcast with all your friends and family. Yes, because you know what? Let's bring a little, uh, uh, let's bring some fun to finance, man. Right? Professor Matt, 
Boy, I don't know what you drank in your coffee this morning. Oh, whoa. I think it was the bull blend, guys. You know, we got a little uh, coffee here at WBI, custom, you know, coffee that you can get the, in these K-Cups. And I think I had the bull blend, dude. Hey, man. Wow. Bull bear coffee. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, the gals in uh, marketing, if we didn't trademark that yet, we might. We just gave people a really good business idea. So, hey. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Follow us on the Twitter, WBI President, WBI CEO, Bull Bull Bear Radio, WBI Investments. Pound the like button. Share us with everybody that you know because we're bringing fun to finance, baby. See you guys later. This is Bull Bear Radio where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stock discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly in this podcast, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time and there is always a possibility of loss. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or from any other investment professional. To the extent that you have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issue discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or the professional advisor of your choosing. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information pertaining to WBI's advisory operations services and fees is set forth in WBI's disclosure statement in Part 2A, Form 80B, a copy of which is available upon request.